Section 16 of The Storm by Daniel Defoe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Of Remarkable Deliverances as the sad and remarkable disasters of this terrible night were full of a dismal variety, so the goodness of Providence in the many remarkable deliverances both by sea and land have their share in this account, as they claim an equal variety and wonder. The sense of extraordinary deliverances, as it is a mark of generous Christianity, so I presume tis the best token that a good use is made of the mercies received. The persons who desire a thankful acknowledgment should be made to their merciful deliverer, and the wonders of his providence remitted to posterity, shall never have it to say that the editor of this book refused to admit so great a subject a place in these memoirs and therefore with all imaginable freedom he gives the world the particulars from their own mouths and under their own hands the first account we have from the reverend mr king lecturer at st martin's in the fields as follows sir the short account I now send to show the providence of God in the late dreadful storm, if yet it comes not too late, I had from the mouth of the gentleman himself, Mr. Woodgate Gizzer, by name, who is a neighbour of mine, living in St. Martin's Street in the parish of St. Martin's in the Fields, and a sufferer in the common calamity is as follows, viz. Between two and three of the clock in the morning, my neighbor's stack of chimneys fell, and broke down the roof of my garret into the passage going up and down the stairs, upon which I thought it convenient to retire into the kitchen with my family, where we had not been above a quarter of an hour before my wife sent her maid to fetch some necessaries out of a back parlour closet, and as she had shut the door, and was upon her return, the very same instant my neighbour's stack of chimneys on the other side of the house fell upon my stack, and beat in the roof, and so drove down the several floors through the parlour into the kitchen, where the maid was buried near five hours in the rubbish without the least damage or hurt whatsoever this her miraculous preservation was occasioned as i afterwards with surprise found by her falling into a small cavity near the bed and afterwards as she declared by her creeping under the tester that lay hollow by reason of some joices that lay athwart each other which prevented her perishing in this said rubbish. About eight in the morning, when I helped her out of the ruins, and asked her how she did, 
and why she did not cry out for assistance, since she was not, as I supposed she had been, dead, and so to let me know that she was alive. Her answer was that truly she, for her part, had felt no hurt, and was not the least affrighted, but lay quiet, and, which is more, even slumbered until then. The preservation of myself and the rest of my family, about eleven in number, was, next to the providence of God, occasioned by our running into a vault almost level with the kitchen, upon the noise and alarm of the falling of the chimneys, which, breaking through three floors, and about two minutes in passing, gave us the opportunities of that retreat. Pray accept of this short account from your humble servant and lecturer, James King, M.A., February 12th, 1703. Another is from a reverend minister at blank, whose name is to his letter as follows. Sir, I thank you for your charitable visit not long since. I could heartily wish your business would have permitted you to have made a little longer stay at the parsonage, and then you might have taken a stricter view of the ruins by the late terrible wind seeing you are pleased to desire from me a more particular account of that sad disaster i have for your fuller satisfaction sent you the best i am able to give and if it be not so perfect and so exact a one as you may expect you may rely upon me it is a true and a faithful one and that i do not impose upon you or the world in the least in any part of the following relation i shall not trouble you with the uneasiness the family was under all the forepart of the evening even to a fault as i thought and told them i did not then apprehend the wind to be much higher than it had been often on other times but went to bed hoping we were more afraid than we needed to have been when in bed we began to be more sensible of it and lay most of the night awake dreading every blast till about four of the clock in the morning when to our thinking it seemed a little to abate and then we fell asleep and slept till about six of the clock at which time my wife waking and calling one of her maids to rise and come to the children, the maid rose and hastened to her. She had not been up above half an hour, but all of the sudden we heard a prodigious noise, as if part of the house had been fallen down. I need not tell you the consternation we were all in upon this alarm, in a minute's time, I am sure, I was surrounded with all my infantry that I thought I should have been overlaid. I had not even power to stir one limb of me, and much less to rise, though I could not tell how to lie in bed.
the shrieks and the cries of my dear babies perfectly stunned me i think i hear them still in my ears i shall not easily i am confident if ever forget them there i lay preaching patience to those little innocent creatures till the day began to appear Presses and lacrimae, prayers and tears, the primitive Christians' weapons, we had great plenty of to defend us withal. But had the house all fallen upon our heads, we were in that fright as we could scarce have had power to rise for the present, or do anything for our security. Upon our rising, and sending a servant to view what she could discover, we soon understood that the chimney was fallen down, and that with its fall it had beaten down a great part of that end of the house, viz. the upper chamber, and the room under it, which was the room I chose for my study. The chimney was thought as strong and as well built as most in the neighbourhood, and it surprised the mason, whom I immediately sent for to view it, to see it down. But that which was most surprising to me was the manner of its falling. Had it fallen almost any other way than that it did, it must in all likelihood have killed the much greater part of our family for no less than nine of us lay at that end of the house, my wife and self, and five children, and two servants, a maid and a man then in my pay, and so a servant, though not by the year. The bed of my eldest daughter and the maid lay enjoined as near as possible to the chimney, and it was within a very few yards of the bed that we lay in, so that, as David said to Jonathan, there seemed to be but one single step between death and us, to all outward appearance. One thing I cannot omit, which was very remarkable and surprising, it so pleased God so to order it that in the fall of the house, two great spars seemed to fall so as to pitch themselves on an end, and by that means to support that other part of the house which adjoined to the upper chamber, or else, in all likelihood, that must also have fallen too at the same time. The carpenter whom we sent for forthwith, when he came, asked who placed those two supporters, supposing somebody had been there before him? And when he was told those two spars in the fall so placed themselves, he could scarce believe it possible. It was done so artificially that he declared they scarce needed to have been removed. In short, sir, it is impossible to describe the danger we were in. You yourself was an eyewitness of some part of what is here related, and 
I once more assure you, the whole account I have here given you is true, and what can be attested by the whole family. None of all those unfortunate persons who are said to have been killed with the fall of a chimney could well be much more exposed to danger than we were. It is owing wholly to that watchful providence to whom we are all indebted for every minute of our lives that any of us escaped. None but he who never sleeps nor slumbers could have secured us. I beseech Almighty God to give us all that due sense as we ought to have of so great and so general calamity that we truly repent us of those sins that have so long provoked his wrath against us and brought down so heavy a judgment as this upon us oh that we were so wise as to consider it and to sin no more lest a worse thing come upon us that it may have this happy effect upon all the sinful inhabitants of this land is and shall be the daily prayer of dear sir your real friend and servant john gipps another account from a reverend minister in dorsetshire take as follows viz sir as you have desired an account of the disasters occasioned by the late tempest which i can assure you was in these parts very terrible so i think myself obliged to let you know that there was a great mixture of mercy with it for though the hurricane was frightful and very mischievous yet god's gracious providence was therein very remarkable in restraining its violence from an universal destruction for then there was a commotion of the elements of air earth and water which then seemed to outvie each other in mischief for in david's expression second samuel twenty two eight the earth trembled and quaked the foundations of the heavens moved and shook because god was angry and yet when all was given over for lost we found ourselves more scared than hurt for our lives was given us for a prey and the tempest did us only so much damage as to make us sensible that it might have done us a great deal more had it not been rebuked by the god of mercy the care of whose providence has been visibly seen in our wonderful preservations myself and three more of this parish were then strangely rescued from the grave i narrowly escaped with my life where i apprehended nothing of danger for going out about midnight to give orders to my servants to secure the house and reeks of corn and furses from being blown away as soon as i moved out of the place where i stood 
I heard something of a great weight fall close behind me, and a little after going out with a light to see what it was, I found it to be the great stone which covered the top of my chimney to keep out the wet. It was almost a yard square and very thick, weighing about an hundred and fifty pound. It was blown about a yard off from the chimney, and fell edge long, and cut the earth about four inches deep, exactly between my footsteps. And a little after, whilst sitting under the clavel of my kitchen chimney, and reaching out my arm for some fuel to mend the fire, I was again strangely preserved from being knocked on the head by a stone of great weight, it being about a foot long, half a foot broad, and two inches thick. For as soon as I had drawn in my arm, I felt something brush against my elbow, and presently I heard the stone fall close to my foot, a third part of which was broken off by the violence of the fall, and scarred my ankle, but did not break the skin. It had certainly killed me had it fallen while my arm was extended. The top of my wheat rick was blown off, and some of the sheaves were carried a stone's cast, and with that violence that one of them, at that distance, struck down one Daniel Fuchs, a late servant of the Lady Napier, and so forcibly that he was taken up dead, and to all appearance remained so a great while, but at last was happily recovered to life again. His mother, poor widow, was at the same time more fatally threatened at home, and her bed had certainly proved her grave, had not the first noise awakened and scared her out of bed, and she was scarce gotten to the door when the house fell all in. The smith's wife likewise being scared at such a rate, leapt out of bed, and with the little child in her arms, and ran hastily out of doors, naked, without hose or shoes, to a neighbor's house, and by that hasty flight, both their lives were wonderfully preserved. The sheets of lead on Lytton Church were rolled up like sheets of parchment, and blown off to a great distance. At Strode, a large apple tree being about a foot in square, was broken off cleverly like a stick about four foot from the root, and carried over an hedge about ten foot high, and cast as if darted with the trunk forward above fourteen yards off. And I am credibly informed that at Elwood in the parish of Abbotsbury, a large wheat rick belonging to one Jolliffe was cleverly blown with its staddle off from the stones, and set down on the ground in very good order. I would fain know of the atheist what moved his omnipotent matter to do such mischief, etc. Sir, 
I am your affectionate friend and servant, though unknown, Jacob Cole, Rector of Swire, in the county of Dorset. This account is very remarkable and well attested, and the editor of this collection can vouch to the reputation of the relators, though not to the particulars of the story. A Great Preservation in the Late Storm About three of the clock in the morning, the violence of the wind blew down a stack of chimneys belonging to the dwelling-house of Dr. Gideon Harvey, situate in St. Martin's Lane, over against the street end. On the back part of the next house, wherein dwells Mr. Robert Richards, an apothecary, at the sign of the Unicorn, and Captain Theodore Collier, and his family lodges in the same. The chimney fell with that force as made them pierce through the roofs and all the floors, carrying them down quite to the ground. The two families, consisting of fourteen men, women, and children, besides three that came in from the next house, were at that instant disposed of as follows. A footman that used to lie in the back garret had not a quarter of an hour before removed himself into the fore garret, by which means he escaped the danger. In the room under that lay Captain Collier's child, of two months old, in bed with the nurse, and a servant-maid lay on the bed by her, the nurse's child lying in a crib by the bedside, which was found, with the child safe in it, in the kitchen, where the nurse and maid likewise found themselves, their bed being shattered in pieces, and they a, a little bruised by falling down three stories. Captain Collier's child was, in about two hours, found unhurt in some pieces of the bed and curtains, which had fallen through two floors only, and hung on some broken rafters in that place, which was the parlour. In the room under this, being one pair of stairs from the street, and two from the kitchen, was Captain Collier in his bed, and his wife just by the bedside, and her maid a little behind her, who likewise found herself in the kitchen a little bruised, and ran out to cry for help for her master and mistress, who lay buried under the ruins. Mrs. Collier was, by the timely aid of neighbours, who removed the rubbish from her, taken out in about half an hour's time, having received no hurt but the fright, and an arm a little bruised. Captain Collier, in about half an hour more, was likewise taken out unhurt. In the parlour was sitting Mr. Richards, with his wife, the three neighbours, and the rest of the family, a little boy of about a year old lying in the cradle, they all run out at the first noise, and escaped, Mrs. Richard staying a little longer than the rest, to pull the cradle with her child in it, along with her. But the house fell too suddenly on it, and buried the child under the ruins, 
a rafter fell on her foot and bruised it a little at which she likewise made her escape and brought in the neighbors who soon uncovered the head of the cradle and cutting it off took the child out alive and well this wonderful preservation being worthy to be transmitted to posterity we do attest to be true in every particular witness our hands gideon harvey theodore collier robert richards london november twenty seventh seventeen o three these accounts of like nature are particularly attested by persons of known reputation and integrity sir in order to promote the good design of your book in perpetuating the memory of god's signal judgment on this nation by the late dreadful tempest of wind which has hurled so many souls into eternity and likewise his providence in the miraculous preservation of several persons lives who were exposed to the utmost hazards in that hurricane i shall here give you a short but true instance of the latter which several persons can witness besides myself and if you think proper may insert the same in the book you design for that purpose which is as follows at the saracen's head in friday street a country lad lodging three pair of stairs next the roof of the house was wonderfully preserved from death for about two o'clock that saturday morning the twenty seventh of november which proved fatal to so many there fell a chimney upon the roof under which he lay and beat down through the ceiling the weight of the tiles bricks etc being judged by a workman to be about five hundred weight into the room fell exactly between the bed's feet and the door of the room which are not two yards distance from each other it being but small the sudden noise awaking the lad he jumps out of bed endeavouring to find the door but was stopped by the great dust and falling of more bricks etc and finding himself prevented in this fear he got into bed again and remained there till the daylight the bricks and tiles still falling between whiles about his bed and then got up without any hurt or so much as a tile or brick falling on the bed the only thing he complained of to me was his being almost choked with dust when he got out of bed or put his head out from under the clothes there was a great weight of tiles and bricks which did not break through as the workmen informed me just over the bed's tester enough to have crushed him to death if they had fallen thus he lay safe among the dangers that threatened him whilst wakeful providence preserved him and sir if this be worthy your taking notice of i am ready to justify the same in witness whereof here is my name 
Henry Mayers. December 3rd, 1703. A Great Preservation in the Late Storm. William Phelps and Francis, his wife, living at the corner of Old Southampton Buildings, over against Gray's Inn Gate, in Holborn, they line up three pair of stairs in the back room, that was only lathed and plastered, he being then very ill. She was forced to lie in a table-bed in the same room. About one o'clock in the morning, on the 27th of November last, the wind blew down a stack of chimneys of seven funnels that stood very high, which broke through the roof and fell into the room on her bed, so that she was buried alive, as one may say, she crying out, Mr. Phelps, Mr. Phelps, the house has fallen upon me, there being so much on her that one could but just hear her speak. A coachman and a footman lying on the same floor, I soon called them to my assistance. We all fell to work, though we stood in the greatest danger, and through the goodness of God, we did take her out, without the least hurt. Neither was any of us hurt, though there was much fell after we took her out. And when we took the bricks off the bed the next morning, we found the frame of the bed on which she lay broke all to pieces. William Phelps End of section 16